Let's make a great aspiration for liberation for oneself and all beings and of the highest aspiration to become fully awakened. Namo tasa bhagavato arato samma sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arato samma sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arato samma sambuddhasa Good. This morning, uh, I'll start with some questions, see if you have any questions. And otherwise, I want to show you, because I like softening you up, you know, get you very bright and loose, bright and loose, strong and loose, uh, and uh, show you another one, another lesson, another investigation that is uh, beautiful to open up the, this side, this, this, this breath, this, this opening. Okay. How did you do last night? How was it? Yes. Good, 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 good. Did you make any discoveries? Did you, anything you want to ask, share? With with him? No. Who who's him? Did you saw your body from outside? Yes. I saw him. Yes, I saw him from outside, and I was wondering, oh, it's my body. You know, it's. I didn't have. There was a connection actually, but it was not important. I was not my body. So. Yes. Yes. These are these are very very normal meditation experience to be disassociated, to be, uh, sometimes you can be way away from the body, sometimes not feel the body. Uh, I was not scared, mm. I was just uh, surprised. Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 yes. Sometimes, for instance, the, the location of the body in space is very tightly held in the, uh, in the nervous system. When you meditate and you gain more focus, all kinds of things can happen that loosen up where the body is, what the body is. So for example, uh, you can have a stroke, you know stroke, the word stroke? Stroke patient? Yeah. Um, many kinds of experiences where they, it's just like in meditation, except meditation it comes back, it's okay. But in strokes, for instance, you can have an experience where one half of your body is no longer your body. You cannot recognize it as your body. If, a, if an arm is here, it's somebody else's arm. Uh, scale, size, dimension, uh, where you are in relationship to the body, you can have a body, be meditating like this, and your body is over here. Or over here, or up there or way down there. So one of the beautiful things is it, it loosens, it loosens, it loosens. What it must do, otherwise you just collect experiences, what it must do eventually is it must tell you, not intellectually, get to you, that what you see, what you are, what your appearance of your body is, is a projection is a image in the mind. And so the deeper you go this way, the better. But uh, so that's good. That's good. Means means there's calm. Calm. The deeper the calm goes, uh, more of these kinds of things happen. I I I very much believe, from my experience, that it's very important for uh, students or meditators or practitioners to have very, very good in touchment with the body first for a long time. To be very sensitive and to develop good awareness of the relative, you know the word relative? The not, not far out stuff, the relative know that the hand is here. 
know that they can feel a hand. You know how Buddhists, they go, the hand. They often do this, the hand. They can't say my hand. They have to go, the hand, because they can't have a self, right? So they go, the hand. But actually, it's a very good idea at the beginning to know that you have a hand, because I meet people that don't know they have a hand. They say they have a hand, but they can't feel it. Or they say they have a body, but they can't feel it. Really, I'm serious. They can't feel it. They don't know they have feet. They say, my feet. I say, can you feel it? No. How do you know your feet? Well, I can see it. The, the visual system of the human being is, I have to see the original scientific work. Because people quote numbers. You know, they say, you only have 10% working in your brain. It's crap. Uh, that was just somebody uh, 1906 saying something and then it got recorded. But um, the visual system of the human nervous system is probably something between 50% and 75% of all the things it does are visual, are, are connected to visual work. Okay? Some people say 70 I want to see the proof. <laughs> so somewhere between 50 and 75 is visual. It's very strong. And for that reason, it's actually faster not to go through the visual system for meditation. Because you make believe. You, you make, you know, fantasize. You don't know it, but you fantasize. So when you say, touch the leg, I have done this over and over, and I've asked people, what do you experience? And they go, I can't experience anything. But they can see the leg. And because they can see the leg, therefore it's genuine experience. But you can see anything. You can make believe, you know, make believe, anything like this. Just like that. So this is why the Buddha taught the four foundations of mindfulness which is body, feelings, states of mind, and then phenomena. This teaching, Zogchen, goes directly to mind, number three, and the last step of number three. <laughs> right? Stage 12 of 16, right away, this, this teaching. Most people can't make that jump. It's, it's too difficult. So we start with body. Body awareness, energy awareness, feeling awareness, because today it's a bigger problem than ever before. You've probably seen this, eh? It's a big problem. Is that so many people are walking around that don't know they have a body. They don't know that they actually have feelings and energies and sensation and there is no foundation for doing this high yoga practice. Simply not there. Uh, this is an amazing thing. Because we see something, we therefore believe we know it. I, I, there's people who study with me. Taken four or five years to start to feel their body. To feel. Oh yeah. They're, they're good people, you know, but when they go like this, they cannot tell you what they feel. They don't know. They cannot tell you. And these are, this person, well I'm thinking of one person, but many, uh, is a very um, well-adjusted, no psychological problems, just... Can you, do you know you're touching the finger? Yes, because they can see it. And they can hear it. But they don't know, they don't know what that's like, they can't describe it. Many young people, young people, do not have any body awareness at all, at a relative level. Then they go and do meditation and they jump into far out experiences. And they think it's real, they think it's actually good stuff. And I tell you from my own personal experience, it can take me years, <laughs> years to bring them out of that because they, th they think that the experiences 
are meaningful, are actually really real. But actually, we need to go deeper. We go into much deeper, much deeper. So beware, beware, beware. The mind is capable of anything. The mind is infinitely creative in terms of what it can show you. But it may have nothing to do with anything and be totally believable and real. Including past lives. Full past life, you have no proof. I know people who can have past life experiences and there's no connection. None. It's complete make-believe. I give a funny story. You know. She's a lovely lady. But I give a funny story. This lady who always has past life experiences, you know, because they're the highest, somehow, highest. She said to me one day, she thinks she was Cleopatra. You know who's always a famous person? Always a famous person. We're all very famous. <laughs> Einstein, Cleopatra, Napoleon, you know, famous Lama, you know, always very, very famous. So she came up to me one day, I've known her many years. She came up to me one day, she said, talking, you know, she said, so, um, in Egypt, long ago, who are you? You must have been connected with me. I said, well, who are you? She says, I was Cleopatra. <laughs> it has nothing to do with anything. Nothing. Who cares? I don't care. Right? She said, who are you? I said, oh. And she's waiting for, like, maybe Tutankhamun. Akhenaten, you know, because I'm, you know, because I'm a Dharma teacher. I said, I was the flea, you know a flea? I was the flea moving around on Cleopatra's shoulder. That's why we're connected. She looked at me. You know how it's always a very famous person, but not a worm, not a mouse, not a rat, not a farmer. You know, I was a farmer. I was killed in a war. I was fighting in a war, one life after another life, and killed like so much dead, just meat, right? That's life. All these famous people, everyone wants to be a famous person, right? Just like this. Entire lifetime. Created. Like that. Just like that. Boom. And it's completely believable. Completely real for that person. Want evidence. Now. Give me, bring me evidence. Bring, so you see, even for past life meditations, which is a meditation, the only purpose is to free the clinging to self. That is the reason for doing it. To free clinging to self you. Yeah. So, so body, body, body is very, very important for a long time to know the relative sensation very precisely to be able to do body awareness because it's your foundation. Not just for psychological safety, but because, I'll tell you why, the easiest thing, I'll tell you, if you look at the teachings of Burmese and Thai insight meditations, see, all the insight schools of Vipassana that come out of Burma and Thailand, almost every one of them is a physical thing. Touch. Not visual. It's touch. Always touch. Rise and fall of the belly, touching at the nose, the Buddha taught it. See, they're all to do with touch. You know why? Because touch is your easiest way in to emptiness, not visual. The Tibetans teach a lot of visual. That's more advanced. Why? Because the visual is so strong, it fools you all the time. What you see is real. But if you touch something, just like you did yesterday, we did a touch meditation, what was that? Chocolate. That was a touch meditation. Not even taste, it was touch very quickly you experienced the empty nature of, of sensation. 
very quick. Visual, very hard. Very hard. So if you have 400 experiences where the body is 500 miles long, size an atom, right? Shrunken, pulled apart, leg over here, you know, sitting here like this, and all of a sudden your body's over here, or your head's this big, eventually, you should, if you're practicing insight meditation, that it goes like this. There is no true body map. It's just a fixation. You see? That's good. That's, that's really helpful. Yes. Um, first, 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 number one, then number two. Just order. <clears throat> yeah, I, I agree with it and it's, uh, it comes very near to what I also think about when I hear these uh, <clears throat> stories of people who say they have past life experience or out-of-body experience or that kind of stuff. But uh, at the other hand, uh, as I know, the Buddha itself said that, uh, that he, before he became enlightened, he uh, had to go through some or not to, to, to some, but to all his past lives. It is said uh, yes. from the Buddha itself. So, yes. uh, what do what do you say to to that? Yeah. <laughs> no, I am not. I am not. Uh, I am not agreeing or disagreeing with past lives. That's not the important part. I'm a, I'm disagreeing with fantasy. You have to be very. That's why you start with the body. You're very, very clear what you're experiencing. The Buddha said very clearly when he was asked, what is enlightenment? He said, I know pleasure for pleasure and pain for pain. Amazing, eh? He didn't say, I know all my past lives. I'm not, and I'm not making fun of past lives. right? I know people that are very, very clear uh, about where things come from. Extremely clear. But they don't care. They don't care about what happened. They want to know what you are now. That's what's important. So you have to always understand what was the purpose of the meditation on not just his past lives, but hundreds of thousands of beings' past lives connected. It could be, I'll just put this to you, just as an idea. It could be that past lifetimes and future lifetimes is a very primitive way of seeing the world. Not wrong, but it's much more complex and much more um, involved than A to B, B to C, C to D. I'm just going to put, put that out there. Do people have out-of-body experiences? Yes. Yes. Do they lead to liberation? No. You see the difference? So I, I teach, I'm very strong on this because I was trained really well. <laughs> I teach liberation. If a person has an out-of-body experience, I go, nice. Because out-of-body experience, to me, is no different than taking a train. I used to have out-of-body experience. You know, I used to sit in school when I, was a, when I was a kid. I'll tell you how good I was. I could sit in school like this in front of my teacher and travel all, anywhere I wanted to go while sitting like this, pretending I was writing. It's not liberation, though. Good practice, good meditation practice, but not liberation. Mm -hmm. Really? I need to do this. I can do it now. So what? We actually have meditation where we practice this. We have a meditation system, which I'd love to teach you sometime, for exploring space. We practice together, and we go and we learn how to go out here and into space. I've done this for years. But the question is, what leads to freedom? This does not lead to freedom. It leads to more experiences. So unless you have a teacher that drills you, you know drill? Drills you about what really is liberation, freedom. Then you spend the rest of your life doing out-of-body experiences or past lives. I've seen it. I've seen it. 
Not with me, because I had a very strict teacher. Yeah, I had this, oh, shut up. Are you free or not free? More freedom? Go back to it. He was very good that way. It was awareness, 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 liberation, liberation, liberation. The experiences were there to give you a feeling of, free, of calm, hmm? to build the basis so you can have a very strong mind to be able to, to see the nature of mind. Freedom. It's fantastic. This is why I consider these teachings so precious. I put them on my head. These are so precious. These words are like gold. I tell you, they are like gold. And the words of my teacher, like gold. Because the other stuff doesn't free. You have to find teachings that free. So the Buddha said over and over again, he said, Dharma is the teaching of liberation. You can speak about many things, but whenever he spoke, it was to free beings of suffering. That's a, that's a very different thing. I know people today who have the most incredible meditation experiences. I go, wow. You know, as a teacher who I've done lots of, I go, wow, that's pretty good. And they are emotionally suffering. Their lives are a mess the way they were 20 years ago. They have not got it to look at the mind. But they can have a fantastic far-out meditation experience every time, every day. They go out, the space, the lights, they, people talk to them, the whole thing. And I say, so what is your mind like? They go, what, does, what, what has been freed? Is it? So this is, this is the, the most important part. Yes, these are good questions, yeah. Yours not. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. That's a Canadian joke. <laughs> You're not too serious. <laughs> yes, please. Yes, and but not. Yeah. So, but um, human beings having a brain would be, um, if they can look into uh, the mind, it is because of the brain. Yes. Y yes, but we have to be very careful that we don't fall into the brain equals the mind. Yeah. This is a recent... 60-year-old idea in science, which ver some very famous scientists don't agree with. We, yeah. we found out uh, yesterday that our thoughts are not uh, in the brain. We cannot locate them um, just exactly <laughs> in this uh, part of the body. They could be there or um, there. We cannot say they have no uh, shape, they have no uh, color. So they are part of the mind. That's what we yes. said. Yes. There is a mind, somehow, some, we are not <laughs> sure about what exactly it is, and, but we have some ideas. And it is a fact that mind is. No, not a fact at all. You have to find that out. I would tell you, actually, it's closer that mind is not. It's a little bit closer to say that mind actually is not. But first of all, you need to discover the properties of mind, just like you need to discover the body. And then we need to take the mind away. Not that there will be no mind, but there will be no thing that you can actually find when you examine for years. That is fantastic freedom. Let me give you, let me give you an idea. 
something. If I am a chemist, which I almost was, if I was a chemist, and, I, and I've seen, I've, I've read and I've studied this, all the chemicals in a bar of chocolate, maybe you know what I'm going to say, all the chemicals, we analyze everything in this, in this chocolate. Does that tell us what chocolate is? No, it doesn't. This is a unique, this particular brand of chocolate is a unique occurrence because of much more than the chemistry. Even much more than the packaging. Another way of saying this is that the human brain and the organism of a human is so complex. Some people say, some scientists say, it is the most complex elaborate structure in the entire universe known. But you cannot reduce it to neurons. And when something gets very complex, it then is very creative. Are you following? And that creativity is very hard to describe by going this way. You must go this way. What we experience as consciousness and what we experience as mind is a property of a very complex, highly creative organism that emerges, you know that word? I love this word, emerges from this. Therefore, we're going to find that the mind and consciousness cannot be located in neurons but it is an emergent property of this. And then we're going to find that not only is mind one person, but mind is a manifestation of many minds. You think sometimes, I bet you think here, you, you sit here, and you think, me, my mind, and I'm having this experience. Change the environment and you change. Your minds are very plastic, like rubber. They are so full of space and rubber and they are being influenced by so many beings around you. So mind is um, extraordinary. Which is not really the question you're asking. But I wanted to say that. So over my experience is <clears throat> not uh, the whole mind. It is only um, a function of what we Yes, yes. The funny thing is, is that your thoughts right now are no different than the nature of mind. I don't care what kind of thought, even not having an answer, not even being able to pose a question. That feeling is mind. And it is as bright and clear and alive and free as the mind. It's not separate from the mind. It's the same thing. Same thing. Mind would be there without us. Mind would be there without us. As a matter of fact, mind is there without us. That is the experience of the transcendental. That is freedom. Right now, most of what you're doing is nothing to do with you. 
I, I, I'm sorry. I know this is going to be hard on your egos. I'm joking. I'm, I am joking. But I am, of course, I'm slightly serious. Most of what's happening right now in your organism, in terms of mind, is nothing to do with you. Okay? It is an emergent property of your organism which is searching to be aware and be happy. It's taking care of most everything you need. Only a small, tiny part are you aware of. As a matter of fact, you can't hear me right now. Do you know that? I'm speaking, but you can't hear me. None of you are hearing me. I can't even hear me. It's put together later. One-eighth of a second, one-quarter of a second later, you actually put it together. That's why you can't even be in the present. You know how all the meditation teachers say, be in the present, be here now? There's no now. It's a fabrication. You can't be in the past, you can't be in the present, and you can't be in the future. You can't be anywhere. There is no anywhere to be. That's fabrication. Go do some meditation. It's fabrication. Only when a teacher tells you to be in the present, you stay in the present for the rest of your life. I am in the present. I am practicing mindfulness. I am in the present. As soon as you think, what is the present, and you start to investigate, you find there's no present. There's no past, there's no present, and you can't even be in the present. Why? Because mind is not like that. Interesting, eh? So you need to tug, tug away at this question of what is this experience. Now, we can speculate. This is, this is, why, this is the difference between dharma and neurophysiology, and even psychology. We can create models and speculation about what is mind, what is consciousness. But actually, the only way to free a being emotionally from suffering is by direct experience of the experience they're in. That's the only way. Experience? You must experience what is experience. Uh, Go into the heart of experience. There's no way... You know, I, I I can go onto Google and I can look at a map of Africa, of the Congo. Yeah? And I can read all about the Congo on Wikipedia. And I can study the Congo but I don't know what the Congo is like until I go and live in the Congo. I have no idea, not a clue. Not even a clue. I've seen the most beautiful pictures of Mars. You know, beautiful, eh? I feel like I'm standing on Mars. But that's nothing like being and living and breathing Mars. We have to live and breathe and go into the mind like we've never gone in before. And nobody in this culture, hardly anybody, is ever trained to do that. Not even philosophy professors. They're not. Because it takes such a... You've seen now, with your work, the difference between training and non-training. Yes, I'm going to look at my mind. No training. You need training. See? Yes. Yes. Does this experience um, differ from the experience we make with our senses? With our senses? Does it differ from the experience we make with our senses? Uh, no. No. Yes and no. The, the senses, the experience of the senses is the mind. However, the experience of the senses in a relative way are so fabricated, are such a construction, that they get in the way of experiencing the mind in its ground. But the experience right now you're having, right now, is as pure, as as clear, as as full and open as you will ever have. But what's in the way is the clinging around the sensation. So that's why it's called transcendental in the West. Transcendent. Because it must go beyond the ordinary, normal 
experience of sensing. But then you will find, in the end, it is pure perception. This is a, this is a fantastic thing. Because, and you've asked a very good question. There's a beautiful Zen saying, you've maybe heard it many times before. In the beginning, you know the path of liberation, the path of freedom, the Zen saying? In the beginning, you see trees, trees are trees, houses are houses, mountains are mountains, streams are streams, yeah? That's just the way it is, you know? You look out, you see trees, right? Don't you? You see trees? You see the sky, yeah? You see clouds, yeah? Okay. That's the way it is when you start. And then in the middle, trees are no longer trees, mountains are no longer mountains, streams are no longer streams. They are amazing. They are spiritual. They are trees are just like, whoa, things of light and colors and auras and you know, all this kind of stuff. Right? And then it says, in the end, trees are trees, mountains are mountains. Because what you're seeing right now is no different than the free mind. But the strength of the sensation is so strong to give you a view of the universe that is false because it is not your mind. The grasping to the objects of the tree and not seeing your mind directly, this is where it is. So yes and no. I'm teaching that. <laughs> step by step by step. And the first place you start is by awareness of body sensation. Very clear. Physically in touch. The energies flowing alive. The quality of the feeling of the body goes from rough and all over to eventually more and more moments of open, clear awareness. Then you have an instrument a tuned instrument in which to investigate the mind. Before that, it's too rough. Listen, how many people play piano? Anybody play piano? Yeah? What would happen if you came and you tried to play piano with an untuned piano that's really out of tune? Boom, 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 boom. Dun, dun, dun. Raphael's father's a piano tuner. Yeah? Dun, dun, dun. Do, 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 do. You can't play. You just have to give up and leave, right? Is that what you do? You give up and leave. You sell the piano, or you hire, you hire a piano tuner. Who's the piano tuner? The guru. Because you can't play. It's too rough. The first thing you must do is you must tune the piano. And the piano's out of tune. You know Saraswati? She has a lute. She's playing Saraswati, beautiful goddess, well, bodhisattva. Buddha, she's playing the musical instrument, it's not tuned. It must be tuned beautifully, beautifully tuned, so you can hear. This is exactly what it is. All spiritual traditions around the world tune their instruments, and it takes years to tune. Most people today don't want years. Give me, they want one weekend. I don't teach by one weekend. I know it's not possible. Maybe one in, one in 10 million is possible. And then, they, and then if they do, they better work very hard because they must be compassionate to other people. So they're going to have to tune their instrument. Hmm? It's all about tuning. That's why the Buddha said, liberation is knowing pleasure for pleasure and pain for pain. It's the hardest thing you can do to know that your mind is this way and that way and the states are this way and your body actually feels a certain way. Most people cannot do it. It's make-believe. Even when they walk. Raphael, stand, stand up and walk. I'm going to show you how far meditation is from being meditation. I want you to walk mindfully. Like, like, a, like a, a meditator walking. How often is the sensation of the foot, the sensation of the foot, or the visual projection of the sensation. Find out. You are not actually feeling most of the time. You're actually projecting a feeling. You see what I mean? 
I'm in the present, I'm meditating, it is a projection. You have to cut through that. That's why the, that's why the Buddha, people go, oh, so I'm enlightened. I know my pleasure for my pleasure, I know my pain for my pain. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. This is amazing. That's fine, thank you. Good demonstration. It's amazing. Because the mind in one-eighth of a second, one, yeah, one-eighth of a second, goes like this. And just projects, the nervous system projects right on, and you think it's solid. It's incredible. Therefore, I'm watching my foot. Almost all make-believe. You have to, that's, and that's why you have these experiences of the body being out here. Why? Because it's beginning to fall apart. Begins to fall apart. Begins to fall apart. Okay? Not totally satisfied, but uh, <laughs> getting there. Okay, any more quick ones before we, we, do a, uh, we warm ourselves up so I can, I can continue? This text is so pristine, it requires a clear mind, so I want to show you how to keep doing that. Yes? Yes. Sensation is taste. All senses are, t- are sensation. Hearing is sensation. Visual is sensation. Everything is sensation. So. Oh, we can. We do a lot of meditation on visual, but touch, touch is a very direct way for insight. Visual is a very quick way if you are really got a clear mind. Hmm? Visual is a very good way for samatha, for calm, you know, uh, tranquility, but not necessarily for insight for many people until you get to a certain point. So for instance, in uh, Mahamudra teaching, not, not so much is taught in, in this text, but in more gradual teaching of Mahamudra, we teach each sense If you're in retreat, each sense for a day or maybe a week, where that's all you meditate on. Taste, all day. Hearing, all day. Not just to balance the senses, but to actually begin to experience that they all have the same quality. It's very important. Sensation. Get into sensation, sensation, sensation. There is a very big tendency, I think all of you know this, yes? There's a very big tendency for spiritual people, people who want to study meditation, to get away from their bodies. Why? To get as far away from their bodies as possible. Why? Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. You know the two types of meditators? There's ones that flee, they run away from their bodies because it's uncomfortable, it's, it's suffering, it's bad, it's, it's sin, you know, this kind of thing. It's sin, it's, it's full of uh, sexuality, it's full of uh, passion and lust, and if I could just get out of my, and, and eating, eating's bad. If I just stopped eating, it'd be so good. Get out of the body and into mind, spiritual stuff. Yeah? I know so many people like this. It's like an epidemic, you know, like a disease epidemic. Then the other ones, it's all about body. It's all about body, appearance, beauty. Yeah, yeah. That's the spiritual life is all about how good am I going to be? How good am I going to look? How healthy? How, uh, you know, it's all about the body. It's all about the body. When you ask people, if you ask those people, what do you feel is yourself? They always say the body. If I have a body, I feel a self. The other ones, they always answer the same thing. When I think, when I have a mind, therefore I have a self. Oh, and the body ones, feelings. If I have an emotional feeling, then I am. And they're both running away from the middle. They're both running away from the middle. One is trying to have no body, and the other one's trying to have a body. Those are two types. They're both wrong. You see it. You, you, go, go, you go teach, and you'll see. You'll meet all these people who are running in one direction or the other. 
And then you've got the ones, then you've got the other ones say, uh, emotions. It's all emotions. Yeah? He's not? All emotions. The whole world is emotions. I meet people, the only conversation they can have, especially psychotherapists, the only, uh, it's my Christmas, but there are some, many of them are my friends, many of them are my friends. I, I say them because I love them very much. Um, but some, I sit, and the only thing, they're usually not my friends for long, but the only thing they can talk about is the emotional life. That's the only thing. Social relationships, what's happening in your relationship and your emotional life. There's nothing else. These are all extremes. They're all extremes. Body type, the mind type, and the emotion type. What are you thinking? What emotion are you having? You see? And all of this is just imbalances. Am I disturbing something? I'm not doing a good enough job. How high must the level of uh, intellectuality be to have this thinking? Do you know what zero. Okay. Almost zero. A little bit. Many years ago, almost a thousand years ago, Milarepa, who great, great teacher, he went to, he was walking along. And there was a little shepherd boy. You know shepherd boy? Shepherd? Taking care of Sheep? Sheep in Tibet? Okay, maybe. Anyways, goats. Yeah. So he's a little boy, or teenager, taking care. And the teenager says, uh, I would like to learn meditation. I would like to be free, like you. What? Shepherd boy, no education, nothing. He says to the shepherd boy, he gives him the meditation on the different aspects of the ego, the 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 model, Buddhist model of what constitutes ego formation. Uh, body, um, feelings, perception, consciousness. I'm missing one. Mental, uh, mental formations, mental states. Hmm? Okay. Shepherd boy who has no training, no intellectual comprehension of Dharma. He goes and he takes this meditation. He sits for one week with perfect concentration. And breaks through. If you are intellectually trained, like you are, you're all intellectually trained. You need good intellectual training. It's important. The Buddha would go to farmers. No training at all intellectually, just maybe not even school. And he'd give them meditations to do. And sometimes very fast. Some people who have very, very good intellects, it gets in the way. Some people have very, very good intellects, it's fantastically fast. Why? Because they can really see the path. They can understand intellectually. So in, having a good intellect and, use, and intellectual is not necessarily a prescription, a, a rule for liberation. And having no intellectual abilities, no training, is not either. Guess what it is? What is it? I've done this test many times, this experiment. I've never published this, but one day I will. What is it? What is it? Why does someone awaken? It's so simple. Why does someone really awaken? They want to. That's the only reason. When you want to, you do it. Um, one day, many, many years ago, when I lived in the Arctic, and I was teaching... Uh, art programs, uh, running art programs in the Canadian Arctic for years. There was a man from a community, a little tiny community, who was not so well hmm? because of alcohol, fetal alcohol syndrome. He was the village idiot. And I had to kick him out of a course. I had to ask him to leave. He was too disruptive, too, too hard on everybody. And then the next year... I get a phone call from way far away. The instructor says, this man wants to come and be in the course. What's his name? He tells me. She tells me. Okay, here's the conditions. If he behaves, and if he does not disrupt the class, he can, he can be there for the, the three months. Now we're three months, not two weeks, three months. He was the best student, the most interested student. 
the lowest intellectual capacity to do jewelry, but the best interest. Then, during the course, the three months, we announced we're going to have a one-year course for the first time, one-year course. He signs up. And he comes, and he has no language ability, math, all these kinds of things. He, he has nothing. He's never, hardly ever been in school. We graduated him three years later with a college degree. He had the, one of the highest education levels in his community. Why? He just wanted to do it. That's all. He just wanted to do it, and we helped him do it. It was so bad for him that he would put, when, we, when I taught uh, a drawing class, he put a pencil here, and I'd start teaching the drawing class. It's sort of like maybe I teach here and someone goes and vomits. He goes to the toilet every time. He gets up, he leaves. Just start to draw. He gets up, he leaves. One day I say, why do you leave to go to the toilet every class, the beginning? He says, oh, I go and I vomit. It is vomit. Because it is so nervous for him to draw. And school, he was thrown out, you know, because he couldn't use a pencil. That every time he holds a pencil, it makes him sick. He did it. And eventually he wore a pencil like this, proud. After three years, he could draw. Not a good drawer, but he could draw. He couldn't do pass an exam by giving answers. He had to draw me the, the answers. Fine, I don't care. He graduated. College education. Why? Because he wanted to do it. With no good intellectual capacity. But he had a warm heart. That's the only thing that does it. Whether you have fantastic intellectual capability or none. It's simply, do you want to be free? If you want to be free, you wake up. If you don't want to be free, you don't. You got it. It's exactly what it is. Aspiration. That's why we sit here every time I go, Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samasambuddhasa. I do this all the time. I will become a Buddha. I will become an awakened being. Why? Because if you don't put your mind on it, you don't become that. It's so simple. It really is. You have to want it so deeply in your being to be free. And then you will. You will. And that's actually the next paragraph in here. But before we do that, let's go. Let's take a short break. Go pee. Go get, release your bladders. If you need a bit of water, take it. But come back soon. Ten minutes. No more. And we're going to do a very beautiful uh, lesson in balancing the energies. It's gorgeous. And uh, then I can come back to the text. Okay? Good. Good questions. Very good. Very good.